to the show. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Welcome aboard. We just sat for 15 minutes in dead silence uh, yeah. thinking about how we could come across with the best death metal podcast. We realized we've been doing it all along. I, so we're just starting. I was on the toilet. I didn't tell you you had to sit here in silence while I was in the yeah. bathroom, bro. I don't know what you... Okay, enough potty humor. I made these choices. It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. And by the way, sir, who are you? I'm Tom. This I'm here is, also. And also, I'm officially, this is not a death metal podcast tonight. Uh, uh-huh. It's That was, no, I got to cancel everything. <laughs> death metal's canceled tonight. <laughs> because we're going one step further. This is a gore grind podcast this evening. That's how you make death metal better. Yeah. You acknowledge yeah. gore grind. Yeah, we're going to ignore that uh, that what making something great again joke that's right over there. All right? We're just going to make death metal into gore grind. It's old. Right? That's an yeah. old joke. So so is some gore grind, but some gore grind is new, and we're going to talk about that along some, with some, uh, some older records. Uh, but, Tom, before we get into all that nonsense, what's going on, dude? What's the deal? Dude, I'm chilling. I'm textbook chilling. Textbook I'm reading a chilling. textbook daily yeah. and chilling. Yeah. Are you really reading? Do they have textbooks for this, or is it just? It, I'm actually. So what I'm doing now is I'm going through uh, a book called C Sharp by O'Reilly. It seems counterintuitive. It uh, seems like it would all be online. Or head first, C Sharp. I don't know why I just blanked out there. Yeah. So that's good. I've been doing that for a while, but this is my second read on the book because I kind of, well, I wouldn't say second, but uh, I made about halfway through, and then I started doing a bunch of exercises and building apps, and then I realized some of the fundamentals were lost on me, so I went back. Wow. I'm not that smart. I'm that... learning a smart man's game, and I feel like I'm I, I'm slow to pick it up, to be honest with you. I had to read The Lord of the Rings twice to really try to get in, get in there, and I still don't understand everything. So It's, it's funny. It's okay. They really do word this book like it's... Um, it's for the dumbest of people. <laughs> Maybe um, I should get into this then. Yeah, it's uh, look, look at all the pictures and stuff. They put all these dumb pictures in here so you remember. Huh. Like, every joke is bad. They have a guy here going, wait, what? that doesn't work. Why are we still using textbooks in 2022? This seems antiquated. I put notes in there and stuff. I, I'm just saying, like, I figured everything would be on some app or something. There's a bunch of ways to do it. You can go to Udemy and learn how to do anything. These guys haven't figured out how to make money just putting it on an app and making you sign in somewhere and give you a debit card or whatever. Bro, I, I don't you, should get... do, you should do a Udemy class, right, where you make tutorial videos yeah. about how to listen to death metal huh. and gore grind and perhaps my do, way. do vocals or yeah, something. Do it my way. Don't do it anyone else's way. Yeah. Especially. I kind of like that, man. Maybe there'd be more good bands, all right? Maybe there'd be more good bands like... Maggot Vomit Afterbirth from Austin, Texas. Oh. Yeah, may, maybe if I put out this little how-to. No, I'm just kidding. I did not. Uh, contrary to the rumors piling up out there, I did not uh, en- socially engineer the band Maggot Vomit Afterbirth from afar. <laughs> bankrolling them with hundreds of thousands of dollars, by the way, <laughs> by way of Adam Rotella. My uh, shadow, um, shadow gore grind government. You're like the operative. George Soros of of gore grind. No, allegedly, this is Just all allegations. None of this is true. This HM2 is like bricks. All right, to prove it, I'm going to get Riley, Josh, and Zach from Maggot Vomit Afterbirth on the horn, and they're going to tell you how the band started and how it had nothing to do with any of these conspiratorial views about my good friend Adam Rotel. Just keep an open mind. He's not like the cigarette smoking man from Exile. Exile. Great character. 
Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. Tonight, my special guests are the members of Maggot Vomit Afterbirth. That would be Riley, Josh, and Zach. Did I get that right, gentlemen? Yes, yeah. sir. Awesome, man. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the show, man. I'm glad we could get all of you here. Thank you for having us. Hey, thanks. Yeah, and there, like I said, there's three of you, and we don't have the benefit of video, so if you guys could just, um, we're, we're, we'll take it nice and slow, we'll get to all of you, and please speak up, um, just in the order I got you here off, off the lineup on, on the online, uh, Riley on guitar, um, maybe we'll just start with you, man, because I want to get a little bit on the background, now let me, well let me ask before we start with you, Riley, did any of you guys grow up together and play music together prior to this band? Um, no. Nah, we, nah. Like, I was born and raised in, uh... Pickfall, Louisiana, and, uh, you know, these gentlemen were born in Texas, so, um, like, we just kind of uh, all discovered Gorgon on our own terms, and eventually we got to know each other through uh, going to, like, similar shows, you know, and especially in, like, mainly in, like, the Austin noise scene is how it is the way I met Zach. I, I just, like, went to shows here because I was in the noise at the time. And I ended up meeting Zach, and he was really into gore grind, and that was something I was also, like, I discovered through the internet, and just, like, uh, that's how we started jamming, basically. Okay, man, and this, I'm sorry, who was the speaking? Riley. That's right. <clears throat> okay, just to make, just for the listeners, man, just because we got, we got a few of you guys. So, Riley, you said you're the one who's not original, originally from Texas. Correct, yeah, I'm originally from Louisiana. Okay, and, and a lot of us may be from, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from New York, obviously. We have listeners from all over the world. People think of Louisiana, they obviously think of New Orleans um, and maybe stereotypical things. Could you just give us a little background on what, what it was like for you growing up in your area of Louisiana um, and uh, maybe getting into music, though, you know, the usual question, are you from a musical family or was there anyone that steered you towards harder music? Um, no one in my family, that's for sure. But, uh, like, my mom plays guitar, so occasionally I would just, like, strum around on that. And I, I guess you could say that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, got me into, like, playing guitar a little bit. I was, like, self-taught. I got into, like, you know, like, uh, basic heavy metal bands, and then I, like, uh, I don't know, I was kind of raised by the internet, and I, like, just, like, like, would just, like, be on YouTube all day looking up, like, weird videos, and I eventually discovered, like, uh, Core Grind and Grindcore. Like, the first extreme metal band I ever heard was Adorphobic Nosebleed, and that blew my mind, because, like, at the time, I was only, like, listening to, like, Slayer and stuff like that, and these guys were, like, on a whole other level. And from there, I discovered, like, other bands, like, uh, Torso Fuck, um, Last AC and Anti, Anal Time, and it kind of spiraled, spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> and um but as far as like the local scene like no one else was like really into the kind of music i listened to I, i'd bring up like anal cunt to like my fucking high school friends and be like what are you talking about this is terrible and like it, it just kind of stayed that way for a while i mean like you do have like ex you know like sludge metal and stuff like that like you know crowbar i hate god acid bath but, like, that was, like, way different than, like, the stuff I was into. I still like that stuff, of course, but, like, um, you know, I always just was familiar with Gorgon, and that was, like, that, like, a good bit of the extreme music I listened to at the time. And I got into other music, you know, along the way, and eventually got into, like, harsh noise and stuff like that, which kind of uh, brought me back into Gore, to Gore because um, a lot of that stuff has, like, noise influence, especially with anal birth. Whose podcast I was to, and um, 
it's yeah, it kind of came full circle, and um, <clears throat> I met Factor and always seen, and uh, we started like a few Gorine projects, and it ended up culminating into Magazine and Afterbirth. Okay, all right. So that's kind of like the short version. And um, the Reader's Digest version. Now, let's uh, not to neglect you, Zach, but let's move to Josh and kind of get your side of the story next uh, as we move along. I understand that that you two guys are from Texas, so maybe, Josh, you want to give us a little background. I know the band is associated with Austin. Uh, is that the area you come from? No, I come from, uh, like, the Valley, which is uh, Harlingen, Texas. It's near, like, South Padre Island, uh, Brownsville, McAllen area. Um, but no, same sort of thing. No one really uh, was digging the same stuff I was into. But there is uh, one metal bar called the Hop Shop where all the metalheads go to, and that sort of was the uh, education that I got from. So I saw uh, Meechitz there, and uh, just uh, pretty much moved here to Austin like uh, second week of the pandemic, you know, so it was the, the perfect time. And then. Uh, yeah, I think how I got into the band was uh, I was uh, practicing at a music studio and I had uh, Riley over to do vocals for a project they just called Hypothesphilia and uh, just sort of shot the questions like if y'all need any help, you know, let me know. I've been at, I mean, I play guitar, so this is like the first band I ever played bass in and it's straight up a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's it is a fairly newer project in the last few years. I want to get into your releases, uh, but before we do that, let's bring Zach in now. Zach, um, you're you're on drums. Tell us a little bit about your background and what part of Texas you're originally from, and how you come into the fold now. So, um, I'm from Austin. Um, neither of my parents, to be honest, are musicians. Also. My, my dad would jam just, like, kind of classic rock, like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. I'm, I'm honestly kind of a, to be honest, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a late bloomer to, like, extreme music. I was sort of into pop-punk stuff up till I was, I don't know, 17, for, for better or for worse. And then I started to just explore the Internet and meet some people that were into heavier music and back in, I don't know, about 10 years or so ago, I started being in, like, I don't know, like kind of like death quarry sort of bands, like introductory kind of stuff. And then around, like, 2013, um, I joined, like, a, a weird, like, combo of, like, porno grind and, like, uh, technical death metal. Okay. It was this band called Special Mustard. We don't we don't play anymore, but we, we played this one show um, that we got invited to play at a at a noise show, and uh, through when I went there, I met this whole different group of people, and um, from there, like it, I started to go to kind of like noise experimental shows. And that's why I ran into Riley and and Josh like many occasions before we even like got to know each other. We always ran into each other at shows, but but through there, like just kind of interest just got more and more extreme, and then Riley and I started to collaborate with. Like, like he mentioned, a couple of gore grind bands, and then we sort of, we were in like two or three, and then we kind of peaked, and then we figured out, like, we really got a sound together. And then Riley hit me up, because we had just uh, parted ways with a previous gore grind band, and Riley hit me up, he's like, hey, um, I got some drums programmed, and I got some riffs and stuff, I got like 11 songs, 11, was it? 10. 10, 10 songs together, and uh, 
you think you can play this on drums. And then I learned the stuff, and then, yeah, and then that's how we, we formed. And then I think Riley and I were doing it for close to a year. And then, and we, we both had known Josh through some mutual friends. And then, like, like Josh mentioned, like, it all, it all worked out. And we had a previous bass player, but he wasn't, like, super into it. Like, it's kind of funny. He's just like a classic rock guy, and just as a friend, he wanted to learn how to play like Gorgon bass, and you know he, he he was just clearly not really into it. Then just Josh stepped in, and then you know we we got ourselves a full lineup Gorgon band right now, which is like a first time thing at least for me. That's that's awesome, yeah, man. It's you know that's well, it's the type of very niche subgenre that sometimes it's hard to get people into, and it sounds like you guys all independently got into the real nitty-gritty of underground music up, up till and including uh, experimental noise, um, kind of independent of one another. Like, there wasn't one person who, who got everyone else into it and started the band. You guys all kind of knew what was going on, and then you, you gravitated towards one another. Is that correct? Yeah, so, so now Austin, Texas has kind of a reputation for being... A musical and creative hub the last several years. Um, I don't want to throw the hipster word around heavily, like you know. The, but there's a thing, uh, maybe a lot of people no, might compare it to how we have like areas of Brooklyn up here in New York um, City, where there's a big influx of people from other states starting bands and and trying to pursue creative fields, things like that. Could you guys speak? Is that fair to say? Is that maybe um, a mischaracterization? And uh, how how is how is the environment in Austin, the music scene, factored into what you guys do at all? Uh, I mean, not much of what goes on the local scene really has an impact on what we do. We just kind of do our own thing. Extreme musicians in Austin are very much in the minority. It's more about like uh, <clears throat> a lot of what I see in like the uh, so-called underground scene in Austin is just stuff like noise rock and like psychedelic bands and stuff like that. Not really stuff I'm into. And, um, like, what kind of just brought me here was, like, the noise scene. Like, uh, meeting, like, um, all the underground artists here. Like, uh, Zach and um, another friend of ours, Richie, who, who did this uh, Power Electronics project called Grandpa Lies Again. I was a really big fan of that because it was just so over the top and, like, ridiculous. But um, there was, like, you know, that that's kind of what brought me here. It's just, like, that small little... Uh, circle of extreme music that existed here which um unfortunately it's just kind of uh atomized and uh but we're still here and just uh holding it down as far as score grind goes and there are a few other acts that are still semi-active like um pseudomos originosa and uh i cannot remember the name of this project but it's harry's project yeah e- it's eb for short yeah <laughs> but there we go <laughs> but just to maybe touch on that just for a second like for, for I don't know maybe like a close to a ten year period there was a pretty decent like noise experimental scene, scene like Riley said but it's kind of recently died off and sort of like at least I can't think of too many at all maybe you guys can help me out with this like like even like grind bands in town you know what I mean and I think it might be from like most of the venues sort of like dying off or playing crazy shows and stuff like that. There used to be this hub called Beerland, and that's where just everything intersected that was, like, interesting, and it just slowly died. But, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's Other than, like, playing shows, like, it's great, but it's hard finding people to play with us because it's, like, such a, I guess, as you said, niche type of thing. 
yeah, we we try really hard to not have our shows just be the same group of people, but it's kind of inevitable. Yeah, <laughs> the traveling circus. Yeah. <laughs> It's it happens a lot of times, man. Especially when you're playing something that's very like locked in, like like you guys do. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously now with Maggot Vomit Afterbirth, I know you mentioned there were some projects uh, you guys were involved in um, be- before you 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 actually got Maggot Vomit Afterbirth started up. But it seems like this is a very straightforward, traditional gore grind band. And when I say traditional, uh, you know, we look back at bands like Regurgitate. Dead infection, hemorrhage, so on, so forth. Um, and you guys, a, f- a few of you guys mentioned getting into that stuff through the internet, surfing YouTube, that sort of thing. I want to talk a little bit about the use of real gore in the in the album covers and in the artwork because we had a whole episode. Uh, maybe you guys have heard it very early on in the podcast history where Adam Rotella of Anal Birth, um, who you referenced earlier. Uh, chimed in um, and gave his perspective. So maybe if you guys could just uh, go through and, and, and take your time and give your opinions on the appeal of it, um, the the shock value of it, and and why you choose to use that aesthetic in your work. Um. Well, like to me, it's we you know, whenever we try to like. Um, find an album cover, you know, because there's lots of gore picks to choose from. And um, basically what stands out to me is just something shock that's like, that's like shocking and it's just like, wow, that is really, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, extreme. And uh, it's just something that's going to stand out and like actually catch the, uh, the listener's attention whenever like uh, viewing, you know, looking for like albums to buy, like scoping out the next uh thing to buy because there's a lot of like bands out there now like you know even quarter bands that do do a similar thing so you gotta like stand out from them and use something like more extreme than all of them and to me it's just kind of like you know as far as like the message of like doing something like that i i you know i'll just go with the default response of uh just exposing the darker side of humanity there's not really much else to it it's just like a document to me and uh but we try to we try to find like the uh, the best gore, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know show like uh, display it for the world to see, and uh, so it can get uh, censored on YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's basically the way I view it. It's just um, something cool to have on a shirt, something to like uh, just look at and be like, wow, this is I'm going to you know. You, you see his gore right now, you know, the message that's going to bring to the listener's mind is just like, holy shit, I'm in for a hell ride, you know. Mm. Yeah, and um, it's hard because you got to be as extreme as, like, the gore is sometimes on the cover. But, I don't know, to me it's sort of like a talisman of, like, this is, like, an extremely disgusting, immoral cover. Um, so you have to sort of have, like, a... I don't know, like a, I guess a tolerance for some of that thing uh, before you even go into it. But it it sort of uh, gets separates the wheat from the chaff or something like that. Yeah, and, and I don't know. At least when I was young, you know, when I was, you know, not everyone's like this, obviously, but, you know, at least when I went to record stores and stuff, especially getting into heavier music, I was looking just like for the more, most extreme kind of cover because, you know, at least back when I was doing that, at least MP3s, they were available, but 
just not super available. And, uh, but now it's just like, you know, the music has to match how brutal the artwork is, vice versa. And, you know, it creates an atmosphere that, you know, again, obviously not for everyone, but it, it just kind of fits kind of a, I don't know, it just really fits the music. And, you know, there, there are definitely some boundaries, just some, you know, shit you can use for an album cover, but we're just trying to get, you know, like, like you saw probably for our full length cover, we were pretty pleased with that one. At least I'd never seen that one used before. I think another reason we do it is just because, like, you know, just straight up gore like that is something that you can take seriously. Like, there's no, there's no like filler there. It's just like, you know, on display. And like a lot of like other bands nowadays, uh, just will like use like, you know, more cartoony, like <laughs> more kind of jokey like album covers, and it kind of like. Uh, you know, kind of lightens the image a bit, but we just want to, like, show it, like, fully, like, raw and, like, as dark as possible. So, um, that's, I'd, I'd say that's another good reason for it, you know, there's, like, you know, why well, have good graphic design where you can just have, like, a <laughs> <some> really <laughs> sick board. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I think that there's something, there's some staying power in the shock value of the gore like as we, if we go through like extreme metal history, I don't know that occultism and Satanism and that sort of thing is as shocking to society as as it was back in the day. But uh, you know, a real gore photo, a real autopsy or crime scene photo, I think it's. I don't think society as a whole is that desensitized to gore. That's still pretty shocking to most people. To the point, like you said, you have to censor it on YouTube and social media. Yeah, totally. Yeah, actually, you know, like kind of like a level of uh, unquote danger to you know. So, let me ask you this then, um, and you guys could take turns to to answer because when you initially that journey, like you like you said, getting into extreme metal, agoraphobic nosebleed. Um, different harder bands. Then you start realizing there's death metal. I know for me personally, when I when I I thought I had like reached the ultimate level of brutality when I was a teenager, and I, I knew about Cannibal Corpse, and then you find out there's you know like we like we talk about there's gore grind with um very graphic uh, real you know real life uh, 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 traumatic photos being used for for this stuff. T- take me through that like. Was there a period of being put off by it? Was there a period of being intrigued by it, but but not you know not knowing if this is what you wanted to get into? And then all of a sudden one day you realize you're like, yeah, this is you know this is crazy shit. I like this, you know, I like this gore grind. Well, you know, by the time I discovered gore grind, honestly, I was already familiar with like Rotten.com and stuff. Just like if anything, it was just forced exposure from like browsing message board and like you know just like what I'm sure other teenagers have been through, just, like, going through a message board, and, like, it's just, like, an innocent enough conversation. And suddenly, there's a Harlequin fetus or something like that. <laughs> so, like, at that point, I was already, like, aware of gore. And, like, I feel like the biggest, like, um, hurdle to jump over in order to get into that stuff, honestly, was the vocals. Because, you know, there's no lyrics. Like, the guy is probably just uh, ad-libbing, as far as I know, you know, through, like, pitch it, like, like vocals are like so pitch shifted they just they sound more monstrous than human so like um 
whenever I saw like gory album covers and stuff like that, I was like, whoa, that is like really extreme. But like, um, that's not really what's uh, putting off the music. Like, <laughs> it's a vocal. <laughs> but then I was just like, then I was just like, all right, some of this shit's pretty catchy. And then I started to see the vocals as just kind of like a uh, their own instrument, and you know, that's that's how I started getting into all this shit. Yeah, I had I had no tolerance for for anything before, but uh, I remember the seeing like erotic diarrhea fantasy cover for that torso fuck album, or it was on a CD at the time, and I was just like, man, this is disgusting. This can't be real, but it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just just from that stuff, I mean, I don't know. The only thing I was familiar with before was that like that Ros William thing pig that he did, where he's like piercing himself in the dick and and just doing all credits of like self-cutting stuff so uh it after a while um i don't know i just get into more bands and stuff like that it just sort of like takes over you and then when the grooves happen on some of these bands it's just like shit this is like a like a different type of thing and i'm i'm sort of on the same page like uh to be honest like for better or for worse at, at least for seeing extreme stuff from even like a a little kid watching like some sort of scary movies like it was always kind of you know it was intriguing and then yeah kind of I mean Riley hit a lot of these points already but like you know uh yeah I think I think Riley Riley and Josh nailed this already <laughs> so. well it's, it's enticing you know I mean seeing something that you shouldn't see and I just remember as a kid like being freaked out with like you know, stupid stuff like Tales from the Crypt and all this stuff, but then being really drawn to something that sort of shocks and, like, disturbs me. There's, like, a weird sort of, like, uh, thing going on there. I remember watching, like, Jaws a lot as a kid and being afraid to go to the water, but uh, I had, like, swimming lessons that summer, and for some reason uh, I had a bunch of cousins and we would watch Jaws and then go, like, to our swimming lessons and stuff like that. It made it much more, like, exciting and interesting for, I don't know, whatever imagination I was having at the time about being in water. But it's just, I don't know, there's a weird fool to it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. My, my father has a great story about seeing Jaws when it was first in the theater and then going night fishing out, out in a boat oh. with his friends. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that from him one day when we get him on the show. But but I'm, I'm sorry, any, any last thoughts on that or, uh, or uh, if you're ready to move on? Well, here in Austin, you can actually watch Jaws on the water. Like, yeah. and then, like, anyways, yeah, like, dudes, like, swim underneath you and mess with your legs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a photo, I think I saw a picture on Reddit of that, where people are in, like, uh, inner tubes in the water watching it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. That's all, I'd like to go do that one day, man. Um... Uh, they should also show like piranha. They should, you know, they shouldn't just limit it to Jaws. There's piranha movies. There's all, all sorts of stuff. Uh, but but moving on with um, uh, maggot vomit afterbirth. So we established the band. We talked a little a little bit about the gore grind thing um, in general. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, encased in festering flesh from 2020. That was your first release, right? Yes, sir. Could could you take us into the recording of that? Because it's a traditionally raw gore grind recording. Um, if you want to spill the beans on, on what sort of vocal effects, was it a pedal, was it a plug-in, uh, and maybe the same for the guitar tones you got, and, and the recording process, did you use a studio, was it a, um, a, a at-home type of thing, just take us through that. Okay, well, this recording process was um, kind of unique to the other two releases, um, because 
I programmed, initially I programmed all the drums, and once all the drums were programmed, I just used whatever, like, Oasis drum samples. I still have the instrumentals on my phone. Maybe I'll release them one day with, like, vocals added to them. But uh, anyway, I just, like, uh, took a heavy metal, like, Ibanez guitar, or it might have been that other guitar I have. I think yeah. it's like an ESL. It's a Telecaster. Yeah, Telecaster. Yeah. I don't know my guitar model very well, but uh, like, um, I, I like just did that like stereo tracked, and I sent it to Vogel and was like, "Hey, you think you can play these drums?" And uh, he said, "Yeah," and he like tried learning them, and then eventually we like got together. Um, and this was still in the midst of pandemic, so we hadn't really seen each other in a while. And then like I, I went to see him, and like uh, we just like kind of like went song by song, learning each of the tracks. Um, I didn't realize how tough it would be on drum machine. I knew it would be hard, but like, yeah, Zach somehow did them. <laughs> I was, I was like trying to program it to where it wasn't like, like ridiculously fast, but, uh, they were, they were challenging. And, uh, but the guitar parts, I just kind of like wrote on top of the drums. It was like pretty, uh, um, primitive stuff. And, um, like once we got those ten songs down, um, we like recorded it, and that's where uh, our old bass player came in. He was a purely like session bassist, and we just like got him in there and just like uh, had him lay down the bass tracks. I had to like we had to like just go take by take, just like teaching him each of the parts. <laughs> but it worked out, and uh, that's how our first recording was born. And and just another note on that, this is exactly. So basically, we, we practice and we record at my parents' house. Um, like, you know, pr pr most of the majority of all of the projects that at least Riley and I have been in in past projects, they've been gracious enough to have us here. And even through the pandemic, like, we kind of have a, you know, they have kind of a smaller house, but we have kind of one side of the house where we can practice. So we, we record basically everything here. Um, I'll... I'll usually record the drums on my own. Like, you know, Riley sent me the stuff, at least in for that, that first album. He sent me the stuff, I learned it, um, and did the best I could and multi-tracked it at home. Like, we, I don't have, like, a home studio or anything, to be honest. It's just, it's, a, it's kind of DIY, but, like, it works out because we got a pretty decent recording. And uh, in terms of the, the gritty guitar tone, yes, that's an HM2. Um, but a little bit later on, I, I, I sent the files to this gentleman, um, from Brazil named Glessio and he owns a, some, a studio called like old grinder days, something studio. <laughs> and, uh, and he, you know, like I, to this point, I think I only, we only have like one thing ever mastered before. So I sent it to him and he was like super reasonable and he like overnight, like mastered it, sent it back and it sounded like enormous. So I was like. Yeah, I mean that's what we got to do. Then, then yeah, it's a. In terms of the vocal effects, I, for that one we used the Vocal Three Hundred or Riley used the Vocal Three Hundred. Yeah. Um, and we've switched stuff up. We can you know cross that bridge when we get to it. But that that's pretty much how it happened. And like Riley said, our our bass player, we we just taught him like line line by line, and he you know he just you know took it <laughs> and as <laughs> delivered, but. You, you, at least through all that, all that HM2 pedal, you, you can hear him a little bit with that master before he, you, you can't hear anything. It's just that change all the whole time. But that, right? That's pretty much it, right? Yeah. 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 yeah there wasn't really too much to it. Just, um, 
I basically just programmed the drums, like wrote the guitar parts, me and Zach jammed it out together, and he went to the studio, got some guys to bass over it. <laughs> good friend of Zach, he's, he's a good guy. And uh, that's how it was done. Okay, I'm looking at something here. I found on YouTube, Mega Vomit Afterbirth Rehearsal Demo 2021, recorded on a, a, a Tascam Porta Studio 424. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, well, recording on a Tascam Porta Studio, that's that that's right to my heart right there, man. I love that. That's how we used to do it in the old school days, as you guys probably know. But they're not as easy to come by nowadays. Who's, whose was that? Uh, that would be mine, Zach's, and it was it was a very gracious gift from a friend of mine. Came in the box, like with the plastic on the thing inside. It, it was it was a pleasant surprise, but it took like, you know, I di- I didn't do my research too much. I figured out the basic functions, and then I really didn't. I only knew how to do a very limited amount with it for like two or three years, and then I really I watched a, a video, and then another a good friend of ours explained it to me. And I was like, oh, okay, and they just, you know, it just adds a, a different. I mean, obviously, you know, it adds just a different atmosphere to the whole thing. And you know, once it's dubbed down to that master tape, it just has a a certain sound to it that's hard to, you know, bypass. Of yeah, course. like that that rehearsal demo, I think, is a fan favorite. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of people like that one, and I still get asked about it. But um, yeah. It was so good that it prompted us to do another one coming out soon. <laughs> cool. Buy our. <laughs> cool, man. Well, it's, yeah. actually, it's also not listed on Metallum, just to show you I do my I do my research, man. Um, oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I like to yeah. get Metal Archives every once in a while when I can. But, um... Uh, but they, they, they do have just about everything. So you mentioned you talked about how you guys don't really have a whole lot of like-minded bands in the area down there in Austin. Um, but w- when does the band start playing out live? And are there like extreme reactions, like people who are like you know like locals who don't even get metal, let alone what you guys are doing? Like, is there, you know, or maybe even just with the band name or anything? Like, is there any adverse reaction when you guys start taking it out live? It's been pretty, pretty good reaction so far. I mean, whenever I see like the bar trying to to film us when we play, it, that's a good thing that we're not annoying them while they're like working. Uh, but no, it, it's been very, uh, very receptive. I mean, everybody's got like a problem with the name, but that's great too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I think the reception's pretty good. A lot of the people we've played for are at least into metal. So, I mean, I think probably the weirdest thing for them would be the pitch shifted vocals, but um, it's not like we're playing at, like, you know, some, uh, like, it's not like you're playing at Barbarella's or something like that, where it's just, like, a bunch of, like, complete, like, uh, normal people who are just, like, just completely turned off of life. Because we probably wouldn't get a show there. You know, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of like, extreme metal. Like, I think I feel like some artists, like, kind of go into it with the uh, perception that they're going to go in and, like, shock and, like, totally offend a bunch of people and just, like, yeah. totally freak them out. But really, they're just, like, they're probably just going to be playing for, like, a smaller room of, like, like-minded people who, like, are already well-initiated with it. So, um, you know, like, it's not really going to be that shocking to them. <laughs> so we just try to put on a good show, essentially, and it works out. And, and just 
one side note, it's kind of funny how many, like, people, when they see us live, like, think it's, like, Im- improvised. <laughs> and and it, it, it's, it's hard to tell because, like, I mean, we, we have this kind of int- intentionally muddy kind of guitar and bass sound. Just, just, yeah, just, like, basically just, like, destroy your eardrums. And, like, uh, but, like, even, like, my, my, my partner wasn't completely sure if it was tabbed out or not. And, uh, like, it's just kind of a, a funny kind of thing. But, you know, every single riff in there is, you know, calculated. But regardless, like, pretty much all of our uh, reception has been pretty positive, at least the, the two t- two shows we played. Yeah, I feel like it's it's almost a good thing to be underestimated and thinking that it's like a blur or something like that because, uh, you know, we used to think that, that Last Days of Humanity album, Putrefaction in Progress, was just all blur. And then to find out that it is all, like, tapped out and really refined uh, is just extremely, like, inspirational. Yeah, that's kind of like the appeal of those kinds of bands to me where it just sounds like a complete blur, but really there's, like, music underneath it. That's what kind of keeps you coming back to that stuff, like, with bands like Broadaquin and, like, Devourment and, like, Enmity, you know, yeah, especially, like, the really, like, blurry, like, kinged out stuff. Like that's that stuff's really good to just like sit back and listen to again and again just be like, where are those riffs? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a challenge in a way. It's a challenge. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you mentioned the name. Let's get into the name. Can you tell us a little bit? Um, can you reveal a little bit of the mystery behind the name Maggot Vomit Afterbirth? Where does that name come from? Is there a deeper meaning uh, or a reference? Uh, no, it just sounds, to me, it just sounded cool. I was just like going for a name that would just like be shocking and, uh, kind of like try hard, just like magic vomit after birth. <laughs> I was like writing down like a bunch of ideas I had for like names, like, uh, like, um, you know, just stuff like, I'm trying to think of like the other like prototype names. I think one was called like traumatized reality, <laughs> nice. which I think ended up becoming a song title impulse to traumatize. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> So, like, um, I was just going for something that just sounded shocking, and it was, like, I think it kind of uh, rolls off the tongue a little bit. I like it. But uh, I, I wouldn't know how to, like, actually define the name. I think it's just <laughs> something that's just... So, I think it just kind of represents something that's just, like, so shocking that it's just, like, what the fuck is this? You know, Makes you don't even recognize it. It's so mutilated and, like, like uh, maggoty. <laughs> <laughs> so, I... You know, that's the best way I can break it down, I guess. All right, man. I, well, I, I appreciate that, man. Um, and then now moving forward, like you said, you guys only got to play two shows. Um, the band has kind of uh, come, come into form during the pandemic. Um, so you guys, you know, at one point weren't even getting together that much. Where Beauty Feeds the Maggots uh, from September 2021. That's your full length, if I got that right. Um, yeah. let's talk a little bit about the, was the writing process a little bit more united in that? Cause it sounds like in the beginning it started off like you're programming the drums and then kind of jamming on the songs to learn them. Was it more of an altogether writing process or were you still doing it the, the old way? Um, well, that was kind of an interesting one. Some of the songs I would come in like prepared. I had tabs written and I was just like, okay, we're going to do this. But on the other hand, sometimes Fogel would come up with his own drum parts. And, um, like, 
you know, he'll, he would show me whenever I came to practice. But, like, every time we got together and wrote songs, we actually got together. It's not, it wasn't like the first EP where I kind of just wrote all of it and I was like, here, play this. It, it was like a, a it was a much more collaborative effort and um, the songwriting process felt more natural because we were all just in a room together like not pitching ideas and uh, like writing as we go. It was also kind of like it, it was it was kind of like funky because like there would always be those moments, especially with me where I like trying to write a riff and I'm just like no I don't want this riff no and like uh, that would that would be kind of cumbersome. But uh, we like pushed through it and um, ended up writing songs. But basically, sometimes like he would write parts, sometimes I would write parts. Sometimes we just went in and just I would come up with something on the fly, or he would come up with something on the fly. We did it that way, and um, it was like much more uh, collaborative and like uh, spontaneous than the first EP's writing style. Okay. Yeah, and like. Uh, so, 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 so more or less, yeah, like Riley described, and I think, how long did it take to, to do it? I mean, almost like gosh. a year, like, like what, like, at least, almost like, a year. Yeah, but we kind of decided this time around to, like, you know, what's the hurry? That's, like, actually get together, write Gore Grind songs, get, like, a, a, a phone recording of them, and just, like, consolidate them down and down, or add parts, and just try to actually make a good gore grind album as opposed to just like trying to just fill up a side of the tape you know what i mean mm. and well, like samples are yeah, yeah yeah and we, yeah no samples yeah no samples no <laughs> i mean you know there's always love for for samples for a lot of stuff but we were just like let's just try to make like up to 30 minutes of just like you know just balls to the wall kind of stuff but yeah no like like riley said we we all did it together and it, it was fun just because, I mean, we weren't really under any pressure to write it, but we tried to have it done by a certain time. And, uh, but yeah, we, the, everything went very smooth, and I think we're all pretty happy with it. Yeah, it's, it's, and <clears throat> it's, it's pretty cool because we can do Maggot Vomit afterbirth, and then we'll just jam later on stuff that isn't particularly gore grind. And so we just have other projects that we do afterwards just to sort of, like, break the ice of, like, working just so keeps it fresh yeah we have a ton of those yeah, <laughs> yeah. too many <laughs> well on that note i was going to say do you guys have any other side projects or or um other bands you might want to plug or promote um because i couldn't i couldn't f find a whole lot i know zach you have a whole lot of projects listed on metal archives um but i, I don't know what's what's uh, ongoing or might have new material to promote <laughs> these days that 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 stuff is to be completely honest with you a, a little bit of a blur but i, I want to shoot you over to josh for at least some of the the projects that we do just like recreationally just for fun to you know like just like after you know having to memorize just like endless riffs and every endless drum parts or practice we just chill afterward maybe have a beer or two and then we just jam what what, what have we been doing josh off the, the nondescript zone, we have three illegal black metal projects. <laughs> uh, we have like a, a pop punk project, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, tongue in cheek. Um, try to give a detail. We also uh, do Crossbreaker, and I, I joined Crossbreaker um, right when I joined NBA, which was sort of a um, 
a real gift just because uh, I was like a really big fan of Crossbreaker before. And Crossbreaker is basically sort of like um, very avant-garde uh, black metal, very uh, incompetent, lo-fi, and it, and it rules just because it's just very... Uh, I think there's like a whole uh, Crossbreaker demo that's a C40, C50, yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. uh, there's no audio on it. And it, yeah. The DIY yeah. demo. Yeah, yeah. We just, basically, we, we send you a blank tape, and with like a, like a very basic tab for one song, and then a secret message on the back, and you just have to record your own demo. Yeah, and I, and I bought that. And, the, and, the, and there's, a, <laughs> there's a frostbitten note, which is a post-it note, and on the back of it, the secret message is, hello? <laughs> Or hell, Satan. Don't give away the secret. Yeah, no, I know. No, 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 they're, no. they're different every time. Don't worry. Oh yeah. Order them. And, <laughs> <bucks. laughs> and, and, and we also have like a, like an anal birth like uh, tribute project called Menstrual Chalice. Yeah. And, oh and yeah. That's something that I'm really proud of, just because if you can get a guitar to sound like a lawnmower, <laughs> it is like a, a you know triumph in itself. And I know that there is like maybe Hulk. Right. Oh yeah, Hulk. Hulk, Hulk is yeah. a uh, noise core project, and oh man, Hulk rules. It's uh, it, it's sort of a revolving cast of characters in like the Austin noise scene, and, and uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's really great. That's one of my favorite projects. Yeah. Just straight up noise core. And there's probably three or four other. I I can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can't talk about. Yeah. One <laughs> project we did together that was all it was like a porno grind project. I'm not sure if the recordings are like. Still present anywhere, but it was called the Sex Havers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like straight up porn. It was just like straight up porn grind, and I did vocals and just like we just did like dumb like bouncy polka shit. It was yeah. just, I mean, it, after doing after like a re, like a rehearsal session of Magavon Afterbirth, it was yeah. essentially like uh, just bubblegum on pop or something. Yeah, you gotta have fun, man. But yeah, it's like it's total like cock and ball torture worship. Yeah, in the greatest sense. And um, I would just like to pitch a couple other projects that me and Full Wolf done together. Gore uh, Sports, our oh, football yeah. Team, yeah. Uh, our football themed um, Gore Grind project, which is just me programming drums and doing vocals, and Zach like completely outdoing himself on guitar. <laughs> and uh, that's going to get a tape release by me at some point. And there's a live there is a live video. Yes, there yeah. is. We're just like throwing a football around. Yeah, Zach can link it to you. Uh, yeah. You gotta check that shit out, man. It's, <laughs> it's off the chain. Yeah. <laughs> Shoulder pads, uniform, helmet, yeah. everything. I, I'm just going. I, I run straight to the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> and and we played live in my apartment. In my, in my apartment oh, living yeah. room. Many great shows there too. Yeah. Um, and we also do this other project, which I think you know, makes me the uh, pioneer of bong mass vocals, <laughs> officially, but it's called Ethanol Crowed Liver Chunks Caught in the Breeding Passages of a Comatose Teenage Sophomore, and uh, we actually have done a lot under that alias, and there was a uh, discography uh, double cassette released by Breeding Problem Productions. If you got a hold of that one, I envy you. Wow, like, that's that's a lot. There's a lot there. Okay. No, 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 all right. We 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 can we can slow it down if you need. No, no, it's, no it's right. I would never want to be responsible for slowing anything uh, you guys do down. All right. Um, no joke about it. Yeah, yeah, no joke. 
But but with the, the <laughs> listeners uh, can get in touch with Megan Vomit after birth. Um, they can uh, look up your social media and look up those projects if there's if they're interested. That's, that's I'm not even going to try to repeat the name of that last one. Um, <laughs> but but <clears throat> as uh, as we go forward, I, I wanted to ask that because I want to talk about your split with Active Stenosis, which is your most recent release up until now, if I'm not mistaken, right? From about um, uh. What about three months ago? Now that came out. Um, yeah, about three months ago. Funnily enough, that was kind of record. That was recorded in between uh, "Encased in Festering Flesh" and and uh, where Beauty feeds the maggots. It took a while to actually uh, see that split come to fruition. But um, like we recorded that material in between those two, so it's kind of an old release. But I'm glad it's finally like uh, out now, especially like. Being a split of like one of my favorite uh, Russian borderline bands, yeah, I, I thought it was like a huge honor to like be a part of a split with him. But yeah, the songwriting process for that for that one, I think, was pretty much the same way we did uh, where Beauty Feeds, where like um, sometimes I would have an idea, sometimes Zach would have an idea, and uh, we would just get together and uh, play off of uh, whoever had the uh, the riff idea, and um, that's. How we, uh, that's that's how that uh, split got completed. Um, sent it to the same uh, mixing mastering guy, and uh, I think our tone and like vocals kind of evolved along the way. I think for that release, I no, I think I still use the vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a three hundred, yeah. And uh, but it, I think it still was kind of like different. Like as I just started doing like pitch shifted vocals more, I kind of uh you know, got better at it, so it's it's different guys. And uh I remember the bass tone of that album being huge. It was like the same guy who uh recorded on uh in case Investor in Flesh and uh with the full length being the debut of her boy Josh. Yeah, I think Blaine was using the pod on that one. Yeah. Right? I, I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that made the difference. And then yeah, like uh between encased and then the uh, Agnes Snow split, we kind of switched up some of the guitar gear and just like kind of changed the tone a little bit of everything. Of course, the same kind of just like pingy snare drum and all that kind of stuff. But uh, no, I mean, I, I think that I'm, I'm really pleased with that one, especially. I think we sound we pretty on point in that one. But yeah, it's a little bit different. The the, the, the uh, mastering is a little bit different than the, 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 the yeah, first and the last one. But uh, yeah, it, it, it went pretty smooth. Yeah, the what I'm interested in with the um, the split material from the split with active stenosis, the kick drum has a very interesting sound. It's it stands apart from the other two uh, albums, the other two recordings you guys put out, and it sounds um, like purposely raw. Maybe like some of the kick drum sounds we get from like these '90s demo type of bands, you know, like very like clicky in a way. I don't know. Like like with all due respect, I enjoy it, but it's it sounds a little unsettling and a little atypical of what you would expect. Um, was that on purpose? Was there an intention there? Well, that's great to hear. For first off, but 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 second of all, like uh, no, to be honest, I I used the same uh, kick drum setup between all those releases. Hmm. Uh, but I, I'm i 90% sure it just mainly has to do with the, the mastering. But for everything, like, I know people have, you know, different opinions about triggers and stuff. 
but I, I do use triggers just for the clarity of the kick drum, and and just because I have kind of a DIY recording setup, like the the wiring from that just works out best for my for the mix. Long story short, but like uh, but that one especially the kick is like like smacking you in the face. Just because I, I think it's just mainly due to the production, but. Yeah, I used a Alesis DM5 uh, drum module, and I've been using that for like I don't know, like ten years. But just has that extra punch, kind of live, especially when you're playing like muddy music. You know, like the kick just cuts through, and you know, make help these two guys out while they're while they're playing, just to keep in time. I don't know, but yeah, triggers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I've been outspoken on the podcast sometimes about triggers and. Uh, things like that, but I mean, that's I, I think that's usually more in the context of technical death metal and things like that. I, you know, when you when you're playing gore grind, raw brutal gore grind, it's kind of like all bets are off. I feel like you can do whatever you want. You know, I I watched Adam uh, Rotella make the original Anal Birth recordings in his bedroom on a four track, and just yeah, I mean, it's like I, there's once you once once you go gore grind, all all bets are off. There's no rules, you know. So I, I, yeah. I and it does. It's a good way to put it. It cuts through the static quality of that wall of sound of the guitars. Yeah, it's the last frontier, man. <laughs> <laughs> Final frontier, exactly, man. Well, speaking of, of the final frontier, now you you just talked about you you referenced um, a new rehearsal tape uh, maybe coming out. Do you, uh, you want to talk any about any more plans for the future? Um, well, we have a split. We actually started working on uh, songs for a split coming up with another band uh, from the U.S. Yeah, from the U.S. So um, that will be in the works. Uh, but other than that. Um, as far as like plans for Magavert, Vomit After, we haven't really had uh, any other future plans. We're just going to be working on this split, I guess. Um, Hopefully another show because they keep getting canceled. Yeah. <laughs> yes, agreed. Um, and and we've also had some, there's been talk of a maybe, maybe, maybe uh, like East Coast kind of tour. It's not confirmed in any way, shape, or form, but we're just trying to get out there because, like, I know at least right now it seems like, especially, like, New York especially, you know, like, has a bit of a, a scene going on with stuff like that. With, like, my husband, Necrosis, he was like, you know, that came out of nowhere. And that's, like, you know, so good. But, you know, we're, we're, there's some talk of that. But these days we're just kind of like, you know, we just kind of really enjoy just making new material and writing songs together. It usually goes pretty pretty well and we have pretty good chemistry yeah that's i mean i think i can speak from um myself with uh afterbirth there's no maggot maggots or vomit just afterbirth in my band um <laughs> but we you know just on that on that note of um it is very frustrating i found it personally very stifling and frustrating to not be able to do tours and play live as much as i want to um the last two years like everybody else has of, of course um, but I have found that kind of like renewed camaraderie and just, you know, looking forward to rehearsal day, uh, and that sort of thing, man. So I definitely hear you on that. And, um, you mentioned miasmatic necrosis. Um, I, I also want to shout out bowel erosion from right here on Long Island, uh, in Long Island, New York. I don't know if you're familiar with the band bowel erosion, but, um, they, they might be in this, in a similar territory, similar neighborhood. 
Yeah, check them out. Yeah, so, Bru- Brutal Gore Grind Band from Long Island, New York, Bowel Erosion, while we're having the Gore Grind conversation. They've they've played with Miasmatic yeah. Necrosis. Now, now, Will, are you, are you familiar with the band called Intestinal Disgorge? Oh, wow. Yeah, they're from Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were like, slated to play a live show with them at one point in San Antonio. And they've only played, like, twice or something like that. Yeah. So, like, last minute, they they got, like, um there was an announcement on the Facebook page, like, intestinal discourage could no longer play the show. <laughs> and we all collectively decided to, like, not play. And uh, this wasn't Magavomit Afterbirth we were going to play as. This was a post-mortem response to the band before that. But, like, close to the full of the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was so me and uh, That's a shame. I understand how crazy that is because Intestinal Disgorge, kind of one of those cult status infamous bands, still, I think, still very underground and unknown outside of like certain porno grind and gore grind circles, really. And yeah. a distur- I remember Adam, Adam Rotella actually got his hands on their demo or their album, whatever it was, years ago when it, when it was first came out and it was hot. And he was playing that stuff for me. I always remember the high-pitched vocals were, like, the most disturbing thing I ever heard. Yeah, that's what really sets them apart. Just, like, and it just had, like, no regard for mixing at all. It just, like, completely clipped out the mix and everything. That's kind of what made it, like, interesting to listen to because, like, it it just made it more harsh and, like, abrasive and disjointed. It It sounded like you were just, like, listening to, like, like actual psychos because you were. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Yeah, still around. Yeah, the guy's still doing music from what I understand. He, he did a new album last year that's like three bases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Got to look now, into now, that. Will, um, so on, on that Rotella tip, Will, do you by any chance, and I'm, part, I'm pretty sure you do, Adam's uh, project called Big Ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, have, I, I own a copy of that, yeah. No, yeah, I own two, man. I, I love that one so much. Uh, it's really interesting. Where it's, it's just like vacuum noise, ASMR, but it's like Andrew Dice Clay, <laughs> like comedy in the background. And then him drumming on a crayon box, like that's like, yeah, that's super amazing. Uh, yeah, Adam's Adam's just his own animal when it comes to this noise core stuff, man. He's a lifer for sure, man. And he's I don't know if you've kept up with his filmmaking career as of uh, the oh, last, last year or two, man. No. That that's his new passion. Um, I don't think he'll ever leave the noise behind totally, but he's really embraced this filmmaking thing. Yeah, I forgot yeah. which it was, like the Gore Grind. Uh, gore Grind Mutilation. Was it, or was it, oh, no, I thought it was like the Gore Grind Island Massacre. Oh, oh, the, the Long Island Gore Grind Massacre. Yeah, actually, so I think yeah. I think Bowel Erosion was in that. Oh, really? Yeah, they were oh, one of yeah, the bands. Oh, yeah, like four other bands on that thing. If, if you watch the Long Island Gore Grind Massacre, that's actually me driving the Jeep at the end where, where the, the, guy gets, <laughs> the, the guy gets hit by the Jeep. Yeah, the, the big black Jeep. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that was my star, my starring feature. Yeah. Oh yeah, now yeah, his, his videos rule. Um, no, I'm I'm a big fan of like the sort of uh, the the side projects where he, he was actually like my first pen pal uh, dude to trade tapes with, and he sent me that one, and he sent me like a couple other ones, and he's 
I love that he's like he's so nice and just like like you know this this is like really low fi and it's like shit. Are you sure do you want to pay me for this? <laughs> and it's like hell yeah. No, yeah, and communicating with him is just I mean he's just so pleasant and uh, he actually did I don't know if you're aware he did vocals on uh, one of the um, where View feeds the maggots tracks and it, it it was you know as I guess everyone kind of knows right now that. You know, it doesn't seem like Adam has has a computer, so he goes to the library or something like that. And so, as opposed to you know, like you know, modern culture, I guess, like you'd send your own vocal track over by email. He just like mails me the tape. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we record digitally, right? So, and this is the first time I heard her done something like this. I'm, you know, I'm sure like pros do this all the time, but. I like ripped the tape and I was really worried about it lining up properly, you know, just how like, uh, like weird tapes can be. And then it worked out great. I just cut out the hiss between his like a uh, vocal arrangement. It, it was, it was an honor to have him on one of our tracks for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and with the OG technique too, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big time. yeah. Got to frame that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's a classic Adam uh, uh, story right there, too, man. That's very true to form for him, man. Yeah, hundred uh-huh. percent. I'm trying to picture Adam at the at the library, like on the like you like doing anal birth social media, trying to make sure no one's like walking. <laughs> <by>. <laughs> but speaking of Adam, just one last thing. I mean, talk your off, but he recently just out of nowhere hit me uh, hit me up to do uh, drums for Liquefied Insides. Which I, you know him way better than I do, you know, on a personal level, obviously. But like, I, I, I saw some picture on his, I want to say the uh, Discogs page where he's playing bass with a dismembering hammered shirt with some drummer in the background, and like I was like, oh man, this is the first time he worked with a drummer. But anyways, I think I record like ten minutes of, like, and I record on the four track as well, just like, just like only Gravity Blast, like kind of like awkward like drum drum like intro type things just replicating his drums and I'm excited to see what he does with that with his with his bass and his shit. Yeah. Yeah. One I, Adam project I wanna name drop real quick is uh worse than ever. Oh it's a hardcore project. Oh for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that one will yeah, I used to go to rehearsals and, and watch that man. Yeah, yeah, I know that one very well because that one was with uh, I don't know if it was on the recording, but at one point his brother um, Aaron and his cousin Eddie were in the band. But worse than ever, used to rehearse. That this is going back probably about seven or eight years, I think, when that band was around. And um, Adam cut that demo, and it's the demo's got like it's like him drinking a forty and like looking with one eye at the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very very classic, man. Um, Shit, uh, the guy. The guy was. Um, uh, all right, man. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna slow this. Up. I want to say Brian um, was the guy who passed away, man. I believe I'm correct. It's been a long time. Rest <laughs> in peace, Dan. But he was the drummer. But yeah, that was probably the drummer that was in. Um, well, the picture you're talking about too, man. Yeah, worse than ever was amazing. I think that was Adams. Uh, version of kind of like his kind of like gore noise production style and songwriting style, but applied to more like you know tough guy hardcore, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was sick. Yeah, that's, I really enjoyed it. I, I have the tape. 
the one the one where he's like drinking the forty. <laughs> one of my most prized possessions. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Now, I know that Adam hasn't been back on since the Halloween episode, and I know that you were recovering from from surgery. But did you like? Uh, did you watch any more movies after that? Oh man, I was on a a, a bender with the the Halloween horror movies thing that um, this past year because I had so much time off between COVID, just not you know not doing normal stuff we would be doing, and then being home for a few weeks. Yeah, I was going nuts with that, man. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a great segue because I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about horror movies. But just me personally, I've been I've been watching weirdo stuff lately. I've been going back and watching stuff that kind of like I didn't like I watched Return of the Living Dead, the kind of comedic one, you know, from the 80s. I don't, the, like that that's a really good one. I watched Interview with a Vampire, believe it or not, for the first time. <laughs> I, Oh yeah, dude. Uh, but you know what? I always have. I talked about this on an upcoming episode, so I don't want to spoil it too much. But it was like I always avoided it because it seemed like this weird kind of fluffy goth movie. But it's like actually a pretty good vampire horror movie. You know what I mean? It's it, it's, it was all right, man. You know. But yeah, that one really freaked me out. Yeah, it's um, it, it's weird, man. Yeah, the the whole making a kid into a vampire thing is very creepy. Yeah, wasn't always oh, like Kristen Dunst or something, right? Yeah, very young uh, Kristen Dunst. Yeah. Um, uh, I, are you by any chance familiar with um, the movie Death Metal Zombies? No, but it sounds right up my alley. <laughs> you you got to check it out. It, it's amazing. I think it was made in the early to mid-90s. The, the soundtrack is insane. Um, uh, it doesn't. Uh, all the bands like are not on my head right now, but if you want to see a guy get decapitated in an OG relapse, long sleeves that's like a movie for you wow all right death metal zombies i gotta look that up that sounds like uh some like right up adam's alley too man he probably would know about that more oh. than me oh yeah most definitely man and he probably knows the uh the counter to it hard rock zombie <laughs> <laughs> that's it, what we, it, got, we yeah. gotta go we gotta go metal zombies first yeah, you know what I watched? Yeah, I this isn't as brutal or as hardcore at all, but this is actually a pretty decent movie, man. Willard, about the guy who has oh, uh, pet rats. Are you talking about the 70s one or the remake? Uh, well, there was one with, um, what's his name? Uh, is it Crispin Glover? <laughs> from back in the day. It's from like the 90s. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. And the guy, the, the military guy, um, uh, Lee Army or whatever his name is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But but um, no, it was a really really good movie. Yeah, the guy from Full Metal Jacket, the drill instructor, he, he's he's in it. But yeah, it's it's that that's that's a really creepy kind of dark comedy of a, of a horror movie. I de- I think it quali- qualifies as like a comedic horror movie. Oh yeah, and really? th- and those are hard for me to like. I don't know. Sometimes the the horror comms, I, I end up hating. Like I think everybody loves Motel Hell, but. I think it's pretty corny. Well, it, it's not goofy. It's just, it, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I recommend it. And if you got a thing about rats or mice in general, it's de- like, it's, I don't know, man. It, you got to watch who you show that movie to. Some people are very, very squirmy with that shit, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. But good, yeah, good, good movie overall, man. Yeah, I've been, yeah, on the movie tip, I've been doing some weirdo shit lately. I don't want, I don't necessarily want to get into on the show. <laughs> not, not, not pornographic, but just watching comedies and watching some uh, movies from the past. I watched Gremlins the other day. You know what I mean? I kind of got out of the splatter vibe after Halloween. Oh hell yeah, man! Gremlins two is like pretty insane. Yeah. Oh yeah, Gremlins two is bananas, man. Gremlins, Gremlins two is like uh, a, a carnival ride. 
I don't know. Uh, Joe, who's Joe Dante? I think he might be the director of that movie. Okay, I, I don't know, man. There's a really good Key and Peele skit where they, they go into the origins of Gremlins <laughs> 2. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of this flick called Wake and Fright? Wake and Fright? No, no, no. Josh, please. It's, it's, uh... Josh, I'm just going <laughs> to present this before Josh is schools everyone in, in the best possible way with all this underground shit. Now, I'm going to sh- send them over to you right here. All right, so 1971 flick from Australia. And this is the only movie that has, like, the sort of, like, claustrophobic, horrific feeling that Texas Chainsaw Massacre does, but it's not a horror film. Uh, the guy who plays the lead detective from Halloween is in it, Donald Pleasance. Wow. And he's the most immense I've ever seen him in in my life. It's a disturbing movie. And it's like the highest of high heavy hole recommendations ever I can give on this one. Wow. All right, man. What was that again? Wake and Fright. Wake it's and weird. Fright. It's like a hard to remember kind of name. It's on YouTube. I mean, like, there are definitely some parts of, like, fair warning to any listeners under, you know, 18, whatever. <laughs> but it's a. Josh told me about it. It, it, like you said, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes, but not a horror movie. It's weird. It's hard it's to good. do. Yeah. Wow. Okay, man. That's that's very interesting. I want to check that out, man. Yeah. I, now that I think about it, I kind of transitioned into a gangster movie phase for a while because I had a I have an uncle who's a little bit older with some health problems. I was I was going over watching movies with him, and it was like for a while there it was like Donnie Brasco. The Godfather, <laughs> Carlito's Way. It was like all the all the classic gangster movies from back in the day. I got a little gangstered out. Yeah, the Carlito's Way rules, man. Carlito's Way is an underrated movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. It's supposed to be like De Palma's like sequel to Scarface, almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I watched too. Actually, not not that I th- I I don't think it has a connection to Scarface. I think they were just using it as an advertising line. But uh, King of New York. With um, Christopher oh. Walken, they, that's advertised that's as like first there was Scarface and there was this, you know. Yeah, that's an underrated movie right there. Yeah, that one's good. It it is. It's a great movie because what I love it. I just watched King of New York um, for probably like the second or third time in my life the other day, and I because it's a it's a great movie. It, there's it's so much hip hop for like a kind of a gangster mafioso type of movie, but it's like very. There's like a really cool hip hop soundtrack that's not like it doesn't kind of sound forced like Hollywood putting Kid in Play or something and you know like it was like it was like a really cool kind of authentic <laughs> hip hop soundtrack and um, Christopher Walken as a gangster was just, you know he's like he's not like a kind of stereotypical dark Italian guy or you know like like they just kind of like Christopher Walken comes in out of nowhere as this like really crazy looking gangster guy man R- really really different movie for the for the time. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. That's like the same director from the Driller Killer. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, man. I love it, man. Wow. All right, so you guys, you guys know your flicks, man. Well, let's get into this, man. Since you guys already called me out, why don't we go? <laughs> why, yeah, because like as we transition now into the recommendations, man. Before we even get into music. Why don't you guys go through and each give, like, a, you know, I'm not going to pigeonhole gore, horror, sci-fi, just, you know, a, a movie, man, since we're on the movie tip, man. Each go around and recommend another one. Okay. 
Um, I guess I'll start. Yeah. Um, we're, I'm just going to give you, like, one of my favorite film trilogies, uh, mainly just the first two. Uh, something that Poe actually introduced me to, uh, August Underground. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen those, but they're basically, like, uh, like the most realistic, like, stuff film you'll ever, you'll ever see. It's, like, basically just filmed from the perspective of, like, these, uh, these, like, two, like, uh, serial killers who just, like, kidnap and torture people. And, like, the first one is crazy. The second one is the peak, in my opinion. Yeah. And the third one is just kind of, like, just shows their decline. But, like, it's just, like, completely insane. Like, it's, like, it's it's pretty, like, frightening, you know? Uh, it, 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 yeah, it has, like, a weird kind of background to it. Like, the... <laughs> The the director and his wife like have Instagrams and they're just like the, you know, it, it's just such a you know, weird kind of setup. Like, but they're extremely brutal, but they're so realistic and and they end up getting like I think at one point when they released the first one, the director and his girlfriend or something like that got arrested or something because it looks so realistic. But uh, it's a if you're looking for like the most brutal shit possible, like that that's pretty much it. Without, like, you know, with some restrictions, but it's extremely brutal. Wow. I feel like Adam yeah. probably knows about it already, man. Oh, oh dude, I, I, I promise you he's heard about it. <laughs> yeah, just like the top of the video he has and, like, just all the stuff they portray in the film, like, shit you wouldn't believe. That's what really, like, puts it up there for me. Wow. And, man, just to do well, like, being corny or like contrived like some horror films are where it's just like seems like I don't know more it's like sometimes the gore just gets over the top that it's just comedic and just corny but I think this film pulls it off and like to a more realistic extent like uh, extent in like uh, any other horror films wow well much like a lot of war metal I'm glad people enjoy it it might be a little much for me yeah, it's understand. It's like it's pretty much if you know if you enjoy, enjoy it to a certain extent, it's like I don't know. It, it's healthy if you don't like those type of things. But <laughs> at, least, at least for for my recommendation, um, this is kind of a newer movie. Actually, it was called The Golden Glove, and it was like 2019 or something. It's a, it's a yeah, Ger- 2019, right? It's like it's like a German flick. And it's a, uh, it, it, uh, it's almost like kind of a post-World War II Germany, maybe around like, I don't know, like 1960s or something, but it's about this kind of crazy dude that can't perform sexually, so he, he, just, he just causes a whole lot of ruckus, and then he tries to clean his life up, and, and he's stuffing all these bodies in his walls from his from his kills and all this stuff, but it's an interesting movie, it's, at least in terms of foreign st- stuff that I saw recently, like, you know, like you said, like, locked in. Yeah, yeah, all right, interesting. Uh, uh, well, my recommendation is, uh, we're taking it back to Christmas right now, it's called uh, Deadly Games, and this movie predates Home Alone, and it predates the uh, first episode of Tales from the Crypt with the uh, crazy Santa with the axe, but it's basically a French film, and it's uh, a <laughs> uh, this uh, young kid is home alone in a mansion uh, on Christmas Eve, and uh, his mom owns like like this sort of like Hasbro toys of France or something like that, and so she's very rich and well off, and 
he hires this like Santa off the street and uh, his first interaction with the child is that he like slaps her in the face so he gets fired and he finds his way to the mansion and terrorizes the kid and his like grandpa but the kid is like decked out uh, with because he's like really obsessed with like Rambo and you know this type of movies and stuff like that so he's like got a whole arsenal of weapons and stuff like that for him but it's it's actually a pretty brutal movie and uh uh, I, I, from my understanding, the uh, director of this movie sued John Hughes for the concept of Home Alone. Wow. But Interesting. That's an amazing, amazing movie, dude. Oh. Uh, yeah, Deadly Games. I got to check that out. I'm very, because right now, you know what, I just, um, I have to watch uh, Rec, R-E-C, which is, I guess, a movie that Quarantine is kind of like scene for scene based on, apparently. It's like, kind of like snuff. Sort of looking shit, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, it's it's uh, quarantine was a fairly big movie in America. I think from like oh two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and it's like kind of like a twenty eight days later, like you know, viral outbreak. It's it's a zombie movie, but it's not a zombie movie type of thing where they're locked in an apartment oh, yeah. building. And I guess oh, REC wreck it was like it was kind of like that that Blair Witch style of film. Uh, uh, cinematography, but it was a similar thing that they based quarantine off of. Okay, hell yeah. But yeah, I, I want to go. I want to go see um, Rec now. But yeah, not to derail you, man. Uh, uh, you guys keep going. <laughs> no, go for it. Oh no, I was just saying, yeah. That's all I was saying was um, uh, you reminded me of that when you're saying that the uh, you know it was kind of like he. The, they were sued, and it was like based on that the other movie. What was the name of that movie? Oh, Deadly Games. Deadly Games. Yeah, I want to go back and see that, man, because there's people don't realize there's so much of that in Hollywood. Like years ago, my uncle played me. I believe it was a Japanese film called Battle Royale. And oh yeah. Now the last several years, I've watched the Hunger Games blow up and become the biggest thing. You know what I'm saying? And from that, isn't like that where like the Squid Game came? Yeah, down Squid Games after that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 The Squid. I, I saw. I, I. I. haven't seen the Squid Games because I, I. What's that? Netflix. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't seen it either. But. Yeah. That. It, it just. It looked a lot like that, man. And there's also. Um. If people don't know, Sophia Stewart was uh, an author in the '80s. She wrote a book that. Um. She's been in and out of court. It's. I don't. There's. There's a lot to it. I got to do more research before I. I want to talk about it on the podcast. But Sophia Stewart was actually um, an African American woman in the '80s who's been in and out of court trying to sue for them stealing the idea for the Terminator and the Matrix series from her book that she wrote many years ago. So she's got like James Cameron and the Wachowski brothers like on like the, her trigger sides. Well, yeah, and it's well. That's the thing, though, is like that's. I think they do that in the music industry too. Is like once you can pay for a certain amount of lawyers, you can steal from people. You know, it's kind of crazy, yeah. man. You know, allegedly. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so moving on. Do we do we get all you guys for the horror movies? That anything else you want to add? Did you get yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, I think you got okay. all of us. All right, good. Move. Yeah, it gets a little confusing, man. Good thing there's not five of you or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, for real. Moving. It makes it a lot easier to tour, guys. Don't get another guy in there. Trust me. Um, uh, so, 
then moving on, as as we I've had you guys on the line for a while, and as I said, I appreciate you hanging with me. I had a little technical difficulty in the beginning. As we always wind down, uh, we ask you to go for recommendations, old and new. Um, so I'm going to ask each of you guys to take a turn recommending an older and a newer recording by any artist you like. Uh, it could be gore grind, it could be metal, it could be anything else. All right, I'll start. Um, this is Riley. As far as an old project, um, I would like to give a pitch to uh, Foul Fetus. They're really good on the label, um, Fecal Matter Discorporated. <laughs> Not to be confused with Fecal Body Incorporated. <laughs> 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 it's a label called Fecal Matter Discorporated. as like a bunch of other sick, like, borderline projects. But Foul Fetus is really where it's at. Like, the vocal sounds like just like this cricket from hell and like um the 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 music is just like very evil sounding and it's like all drum machine but I, i'm really into stuff like that it's similar to like catasexual urge motivation where it's like almost kind of industrial sounding yeah and i'm a big fan and as far as newer stuff goes um i really liked uh this new project i came across uh barbaric inhumanity once again another drum machine project but they do it really well it starts off with a sample but like the sample you know has like a good like audio like context you know it, it like actually like uh builds you up to the music in store and it has a good uh like feel to it so i'd have to recommend that for a newer release but yeah i mainly just listen to a lot of like older bands honestly uh like i need to get more to loop with like newer bands but yeah that's that's me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, so yeah, my recommendation Josh? is a twenty sixteen death metal band from Austin called uh, Infuriate. Um, they have like I think they uh, I think they're not around anymore, but um, yeah, the track Jogger Out of uh, Pestilence from twenty eighteen is a perfect way to sum up how much that band rules. And like an older band, I'd recommend uh, you. I think it's like Utopia or Utopi, uh, 1999 record. It's Instinct for Existence, and it's, uh, it's like you know, one of my favorite new gore grind things I've heard. That's like 20 years old or some shit. Good. I remember when that was brand. I just. I'm sorry. When that was brand new, Adam ordered it from wherever he got it from back in the 90s, and we and we drove around in my friend's old car. Eating sandwiches and listening to Utopia Instinct for for uh, existence. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's maybe the only band that sampled sampled the movie White Man Can't Jump. So that's pretty crazy <laughs> on them. Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> Dude, that that was a uh, that was a really cool uh, band though. It was a little different for gore grind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it was almost like a DB band a lot in in a lot of the tracks. Yeah, there was there was a very tough kind of quality to them. But too bad they didn't make more stuff, man. Because I think that's like the only record they did. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes you got you can't. Sometimes they they don't they didn't ruin the magic at least, you know. But I'm yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Go go ahead, guys. This is Zach. So I gotta give it to this band from Illinois, I believe, called Organ Failure. They're just like full band gore grind, kind of like. Newer, sort of. I think they transformed from a, a previous band called Born Backwards. But anyways, they rule. They have like tons of live videos or like or a couple, but these like super pro shot videos and they really lock it down. 
And, you know, they're not trying to, like, overdo it or underdo it with Gorgon. They just have that kind of sweet spot. And we, we may or may not have some plans with them in, in the future, but you should check them out. And that's my new recommendation. It's Organ Failure Demo 2021. It's on the Gore Grinder channel. And then uh, an old one. Uh, I guess this is sort of stereotypical, but I can't resist. Denfection Chapter of Accents. Mm, okay. Glad somebody brought it up this week, man. It's that time of the week where we talk about that album again. That that's another one where they they list because you were talking about lyrics before they list they write lyrics but I, I have you ever tried to follow along? <laughs> uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I have. laughs> that's so awesome. I love that guy's voice, dude. What's that? Is that what's that guy's name? Jaro or or is it Tope? I think it's Jaro. Yeah. That guy's fucking amazing, dude. I think he's they got a band. What is it? Meat Spreader, the new band. Yeah, meat spreader. That's, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, his vocals yeah. are still fucking nuts like that, man. It just sounds like a vomiting pig. It's so awesome. <laughs> and yeah, that's the idea. I think uh, some dead infection inverse are also involved in this newer project called Putrefaction Sets In. If you haven't heard the preview track from that, oh man, check it out if you're a fan of War Grind. Well, have you heard of that, Will? No, 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 man. See, I, I thought I was up on things because I know meat spreader, man. You guys are one up in me here, man. <laughs> But now it's this future action set in band. It's like lymphatic phlegm, regurgitate. Like I think it's the guitar player and the bass player from regurgitate. I forget where the drummer's from. And then it's lymphatic phlegm, yeah, like vocalist. So. Wow. Man. All right. Well, yeah, I know he was doing a band called Oful, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but man. This super group, I think they have like at least like one, if not two, tracks on YouTube. It's like super group. Big time. Speaking okay. of lymphatic plunge, their album from 2021 was incredible. Yeah, have, have you heard that one? Yeah, man. Well, I always keep up with lymphatic phlegm, man. It's um, they're they're a great band, and I, I think I always think that they're, they're so original compared to, like, not to put down anyone that they, but like it's like whenever they put on a put out a split or something like that, it's just hard to compare anyone to them because they do they have their own sound, you know, like. Even amongst gore grind, you know, like like they have the pitch shifted vocals and the lyric and subject matter, but they're so different, man. I I almost think they sound more black metal sometimes than gore grind with those weird creepy guitars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and the production rules too, like so every record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're definitely one of those bands that have uh, worship bands. Yeah, you know, they're doing yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I've always loved them, man. It's an another one of the old ones that Adam turned me on to back in the day, man. Adam gave me a great education in gore grind. I always got to credit him with uh, most of the stuff I know about, man. Um, yeah, Lymphatic Phlegm, man, that's cool. And and uh, uh, the other bands you guys all mentioned, um, I'm forgetting already, man. So that was that was obviously Lymphatic Phlegm. We had Organ Failure with their demo 2021, right? And then, uh, Utopia and Infuriate. Utopia and Infuriate and Bowel Fetus, this guy said. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, man. So between that and all this conversation, man, I'm just hoping somebody goes out and checks out Intestinal Discord and, and doesn't have their, their speakers on, man. Use the headphones for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't listen to that one in the library at school, all right? 
But but uh, you got you guys gave a lot of movie recommendations, a lot of music recommendations for for our listeners. People have been asking for more gore grind on the Heavy Hole podcast. I hope that this episode and this interview satiates that a little bit. Um, and I appreciate you guys' time. So as we leave off, um, just take your time and, and go through the band. And uh, any final um, uh, thoughts for listeners of your music and um, fans of our show before I give you the opportunity to plug anything else you got? Um, <laughs> you guys want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Uh, well, we got... Um, in a couple months here, we're getting our uh, full-length album where BFBs and Maggots out on vinyl via Breathing Problem Productions. Nice. We got, uh, and I think you may be familiar, they put out that insane, like, uh, what was it, Biosyst, the, the oh, Biosyst, yeah. the Anal Birth, currently uh, Mutilated and Vomitoma Split. Um, they're putting that out, and then... I think we have we we have like one record label, Lymphatic Sexual Orgy from Mexico, putting out uh, the the Act of Snosis Split. We got uh, Cadaveric Dissolution from Russia putting out that same split, and then our full length on CD, or I should say both were on CD. And then uh, and then we're gonna have another CD on Britain Problem Productions that has like a bonus making of. The Where Beauty Feeds the Maggots uh, album. And that, that that's pretty much it. And we're just working on new songs for this split and just trying to, you know, as I was saying, keep on keeping on. Yeah. And the rehearsal demo coming up soon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then the rehearsal demo, too. And that should be out pretty soon. Those are pretty sick purple tapes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, man. In addition to that, there's like going to be some more like side project stuff I'm hoping to release in the future. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Sports. Um, probably could do like some other stuff. Like, uh, I, I feel like we haven't done a liver chunks in a while, so we'll probably do another take of that at some point. Yeah. Um, I, I basically do want to like do more self release stuff soon, but apart from that, uh, I feel like NBA has been my main project for a while, so. But uh, I'm also really into noise. I'm probably going to be putting out some more of that stuff pretty soon. Yeah, and, and speaking of Riley here, our guitar player vocalist, just like a, a killer. I don't, I don't know if you're much into, you know, like harsh noise, power electronics kind of stuff, but he has like a really killer uh, power electronics project called Hypoxophilia. And then Josh here, our bass player, we all actually... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you do yeah. a really sick Carl Electronics project, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and Josh does a really... He does a bunch of projects, but he has a really yeah. crazy project called Brawler. And then uh, recently, I've, I've, I've dabbled with the harsh... And this is... <laughs> but uh, I've dabbled with, like, the harsh noise stuff, but I've, I've recently kind of delved into, like... I think I've heard you mention on that first uh, Adam Bertella podcast, Paint... Like huge into paint these days, mm-hmm. and just trying to like replicate that. And, you know, all four track, just like junk noise, like contact mic stuff. But I got this new project called the Fibulation. It's just like you know continuation of like Riley's doing like hypoxia and stuff like that. And, but that, that that genre is sort of like dying down. At least in our town, like it doesn't even exist really. It, now, yeah, we, we, it, if sorry, if if people wanted to find some of this stuff, 
is there is there a, a, an online resource where we can find all your side projects? Um. Well, I'll, if anything, I'll probably be like self-releasing it. You can just hit me up on my personal Instagram. Uh, it'll be Monopoly Money Millionaire, all one word. Hmm. Uh, you can just follow me on there and DM me. I'll be posting about it at some point. I might just start a separate page for this entirely, but when I do, I'll try and keep everyone in the loop. Uh, I mean, I also ran this like short-lived label called Jade into Obscurity, but I'll probably that'll probably be be subject to a rebranding at some point but um if you want to look out for like uh, our side projects and stuff like that uh, i would go to uh my instagram page or even zach's uh and um, yeah. just keep up with it from there and uh aside from that um just keep an eye out on breathing problem productions breathing problem has actually released hypoxophilia it's released a couple hypoxophilia uh tapes one of them being a split of uh interior one and um but yeah, I would just look at for it on there. Um, I've done a lot of projects, so it's honestly like hard to keep track and hard to like uh, <laughs> give you one source to check it all out. Yeah, Got it. just hit me up. To, yeah, and uh, and I guess for the fans' part, message to them. I guess two things: one, we have a lot of side projects, and two, none of us have tattoos. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I don't have any either, man. Hell yeah, dude. Oh yeah. yeah. I guess like last thing is like a. I have like a YouTube channel that I I don't promote ever, but if you want to see like live NBA stuff, live liver chunks, weird side projects and stuff, I've this stupid ass YouTube channel called a Stomach Torture Puke Turner Pepper Reviews. Hmm. Anyways, but like that, that we have like just like live stuff, weird side project, you know, kind of obscure kind of stuff. And then, Josh, what's what's yours called? Yeah. Oh yeah, I got a I got a YouTube channel named uh, Talisman eighty eight, and oh yeah, Will man, um, I apologize, mate, but I, I'm I'm the sucker who put up the the <laughs> the Adam Rotella heavy hole podcast on my YouTube. Man. Oh, Sorry. as long as it was you guys, then that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, Big Will, real quick, yeah. I have a question for you. So, so I, I messaged you like a couple months ago. You mentioned you had like a, a four-track gore noise, noise core, some side project. Are you working on that? Um, all I'm gonna, well, yeah, it's it's in um, it's it's in post-production hell, as they say in in, in Hollywood right now. <laughs> it's, it's actually I I I. Tom, who, who co-hosts the, the podcast with me, um, he's helping me convert it from uh, the Tascam four-track tape. You know, I, I, I did it all on cassette analog. He's helping me convert it to digital now. And um, that's just kind of, you know, how that's one of those things where uh, other projects come and go, and before you know it, something's on the back burner. But, yeah, I, I definitely have a project I've been working on for a while. It's all recorded. I'm just trying to get about getting it out the right way. I'm pumped, dude. You, you got to send that over to us. I can't wait to hear it. Now with all this talk of these crazy side projects, I'm, my my head's already buzzing. I might have to plug the four track in and go in again, man, before I even get this one out. Never <laughs> heard. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fun, man. It's snowing here in New York, so I might have a little snow day tomorrow to do this, man. We'll see, man. Hey, man. What's the weather like down there? It's been cold with some uh, light rain. Like not super cold, but like um, comfortably cold. Comfortably right. numb. 
Comfortably, <laughs> comfortably numb. All right. Well, guys, before the listeners get comfortably numb, I'm going to let you guys go. I appreciate your time. <laughs> now that we're talking about the weather. But um, in all seriousness, Riley, Josh, and Zach of Maggot Vomit Afterbirth from Austin, Texas, I appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. I'm glad we could get more gore grind into the program uh, this week. Thank you very much for your time, guys. Have a great night. Thanks a lot to Riley, Josh, and Zach of Maggot Vomit Afterbirth for uh, telling us their story, uh, what's going on with the band, giving us a little insight into gore grind and horror movies. Their stuff. They knew a lot about creepy, weird horror. Not not like the cultural horror movies. They know like the weird snuff alleged kind of movies. It, was, it, those, got, it got weird. Was that guinea pig stuff we we're talking about with? Uh... That with didn't Patrick come. Bruss, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're chatting. He, yeah, Ch- Patrick Bruss is uh, a true connoisseur. Of yeah, genre. yeah, I feel like that was the level we were at. I was talking about Willard with the rats and stuff. I was just yeah, fun I, movie. I, I a nice movie. I enjoyed Willard, man. That was good. I, you know, I felt to be honest with you, I had a problem with Willard at the end. I felt very sympathetic towards Ben, the the large rat. I, yeah, Will, he, Willard was he he was emotionally uh, abusive. To those rats, yeah, he like kind of left them high and dry, and you know, old Ben wanted. Yeah, well, I won't get. I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's a movie about bad humans. It is. I'm very sympathetic to the rats by the end of the film. And one of my favorite bad humans in that overall, Ernest Borgnine. What a guy! Yeah, yeah, interesting. He's interesting. a great actor. I really love like just seeing him in anything. Devil's Reign. Ooh, mm, wow. All right. Well, Tom. Uh, slowly roll there because I think we have some um, uh, cinematic content uh, for people that want to talk movies coming up, uh, allegedly, maybe in, a, in another week or two. But uh, right now we're going to hand it over to the listeners. I think one of the listeners wanted to talk. Somebody from, uh, especially it's one of our uh, elite Patreon yeah. uh, listeners had a little had a little little thing they want to chime in about. OG listener. So Tyler Craig, uh, I'm taking the liberty of taking a private message you sent to us via Patreon. And I want to read it on the show because it's a good one. It's fun. Hey, Will, Tom, and Justin. Hope you guys are doing well. For the first time ever, I'm going to Maryland Death Fest this summer. Nice. I'm beyond pumped to finally get to go. As death metal vets, what are some pointers you guys would recommend for someone going for the first time? Mm. Also, what are some of your most memorable moments from MDF? Thanks, guys. Stay brutal. Ah, nice. Tom, Tom, you ever been to MBF? No, so I'll speak for me and Justin. Um, we've never been. It's one of those things I've always wanted to do. We even talked about pre-pandemic. We were talking about doing something down yeah, there. Yeah, um, You know, for the show. Uh, that's not something I would rule out now, but I still thought this was a good question. And I know you've been there a couple times, Will, so I thought I'd throw that Yeah, 100%, man. Um... Yeah, I went to uh, a few Maryland Death Fests over the years, and I was fortunate enough to perform at two of them. Um, 
so what I would say is, first of all, this this past, I think it was around Memorial Day when they would have had Maryland Death Fest in 2021, but it got canceled because of the whole COVID situation. I did put out a bonus episode, I think just for free on our general feed, everywhere that you, you can find Heavy Hole Podcast. Our Memorial Day bonus episode for everybody this year was uh, a Maryland Death Fest kind of tribute episode with, um, I forget, maybe I put my top 10 Moments. It was. I, I. 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 recounted a lot of Maryland Death Fest stories that I that that I really remembered. So I kind of already did that. But what I would say from my memory going down there, man, I wish you the best of luck because it seems to have ballooned into this huge, bigger deal than I've ever been to. Like Woodstock of underground metal type of thing, which is great. I'm not faulting anybody, but. Um, you know, I, so I, my information might be a little outdated. Something that I always made sure to do though, was to get a hotel room that was within walking distance of the, um, the venue. I know it might be spread out over a few venues now. I'm not sure, but I would always look at the hotels and I'm sure, you know, that's, it's crazy to, to try to book these rooms. You probably had to have had done that already. Maybe, you know, I don't know if we're far enough out, but. I always would try to get a hotel room that was walking distance to the venue so you didn't have to, at that point, catch taxis. Nowadays, you'd be catching Ubers and all that sort of thing, uh, which might make it easy. Uber and Lyft might make it a little bit easier now. Uh, but I would always, that was my big thing because you could come and go. So also, you could circumvent some of those high drink prices, allegedly. Uh, maybe you go back to your hotel and do what you got to do. Um, uh, you know, have a little, uh, couple of cocktail hours with the, with the guys, uh, you know, because that's the other thing you might want to do is look at the itinerary. You get the schedule of the bands, and, um, you know, inevitably, you're not going to be able to go to Maryland Death Fest and get a, you know, whatever, for the two days, three days, whatever they're, they're doing it, and catch every single band. You're not even going to catch every single band you really like, probably. You're going to have to make some cuts and some compromises because there's just so much going on, and you can't be in two or three places at once. So... Make up a schedule, you know. I'm not saying make up like an itinerary that you have to rigidly stick to and be a ball buster about with your friends, but you know, maybe you know, plan ahead a little bit so you're not, uh, you know, five blocks away or running around trying to catch a band or up at the hotel taking a dump looking at your watch and you realize, oh shit, I'm missing this band. Like, make an itinerary for yourself. Uh, they usually have schedules out nowadays. You could probably find it online on the website or on social media, what times the bands are playing. And then you could also, if you get your hotel room walking distance, uh, you know, if you, if, you know, if you want a couple of drinks, if you smoke, if you do what you do, you know, you, you can kind of, like, set it up nice for yourself. It's good to have a close home base. I could relate exactly. to that, not for this particularly, but for other events I've done. Uh, south by southwest and stuff yeah dude because if if you if you bring your own vehicle or if you're relying on taxis whatever the case is if you're a few miles away it's you know it's a little much this lineup is ridiculous this year i mean i don't even look at it anymore well respectfully i just because it's just like every band it's like it's just every band it's It's just it's like i mean it's like one of those things people make for like the death metal facebook groups where it's just every hot logo of every hot band that ever existed it's it's absolutely like I I don't know a few of these, but this would still be just there's I, the only reason not to go is because you don't like these. Is it seems overbearingly huge? It gives me anxiety thinking about it. Like I, you know, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe I'm a little bit mental after all this COVID, you know, shut-in stuff. But looking at that, I get anxiety at how big of, of an event it is. I have been uh, on the internet long enough to know that if it looks too good to be true, then it's probably fucked. 
Um, <sighs> I'm not going to say that's yeah. the case here, but that's where my gut goes, where it's like, yes, every single one of these sick bands is playing, but for some reason I feel like I wouldn't be able to catch any of them. Well, or, or half of them. That's what I was saying like, before, is you're going to have to pick and choose, and you see that flyer. Now, the other thing is, how many of those bands are going to actually get over here and play? Because in years past, there's been visa issues, and even before COVID, there was all these things. Not just with Maryland Death Fest, with a lot of these festivals. So that's one thing, is you kind of got to wait, you know... Stay updated on social media with, with the fest because they'll announce things like that, you know, in time with the show and schedule, you know, what, what you're going to do. Man. Yeah, yeah the- and there's all these, like, you know, it's a lot of foreign act. They're pulling no punches. You have Butcher ABC from Japan. Yeah. It's, like, way out there. D- dude, I yeah, I mean, it's crazy. More power to them for, for pulling off a fest like that. But to me personally, man, maybe I'm old. I unless I was performing at it, I would want to go to something that's a little bit more scaled down and underground. I think it's the tours that come out of this though that are pretty yeah. cool. Like I know, yeah, yeah. like Suffocation and Atheist are doing a tour, yeah, based around here. Cool. They're both playing here. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I would love to see. Uh, I really would. It just man, one you're gonna oh, Tyler, you're gonna have a blast, man. I mean, like, it just, it feels it like scheduling over, mind. It feels like overwhelming. Like I would be overwhelmed to try, you know, I don't know, man. I would sit down. Yeah. Like you said, though, the schedule thing, do a little work. Like yeah. that sitting down for an hour to just block out how you want to do this. That might take a lot of the, the stress off. of it. Then keep in mind, you're going to have to eat at some point. Um, yeah. You know, if you, if you buy merch or, or whatever, you might want to drop it off back at the hotel. I mean, there's just a lot to. Little pri- little prior planning about this, man. You know, don't don't just go into it like it's Woodstock. <laughs> and also, um, oh man, well, if you travel, this is going to be a huge event, man. So if you're if you're if you're driving in in your own vehicle or if you're carpooling with people, man, unless you're taking public transportation, I would say drive overnight plan it out so that you're getting into to baltimore like early in the morning avoid rush hour and avoid even like 11 to you know a.m on because that's when everybody's going to be getting in and checking in the city if yeah. they pull this off the city's going to be overtaken by metalheads it's going to be crazy bro uh, just get there early you're going to if you want to catch some of these more underground bands that are earlier on in the schedule you might be waiting online by the time the second or third band is still playing for the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It might be so big. So get there early. Wait online if you got to. Uh, get up early and bring your cup of coffee and be one of the first people in line, I'd say, too, if you want to catch some of these more underground bands and get the full experience. I, I don't know, man. It's None of these bands even seem like two. It's not like they have a billion bands I haven't heard of. There's, there's like not like a, a low. Yeah, there's not really like a lower tier of band. That's the thing. They've just elevated it to this crazy. Th- this is like the Ozfest of death metal. It's yeah. like, I mean, it, it's great. I'm sure I would have a good time. But just looking at that and the thought of planning it out and getting my money's worth, it would just, it's kind of like gives me anxiety. Like, I. In, in your 30s, it's daunting. Yeah, yeah. Like, like when you're tw- in your 20s, it's like, yeah, just throw me in there. And now it's like, ah. Yeah. When you're 25, it's like, yeah. I'll, Who gives a fuck? I'll jump in, I'll do acid and shrooms and we'll wake, wake, wake me up Monday, you know, or whatever, man. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, nowadays, so man, Jesus. Yeah, I would be there with like a, a, a schedule trying to figure out who to catch. And I, it's, it's a little much, man. Yeah. But, um, but have fun down there. Let me know. Call in. Leave yeah. a voicemail from MDF. <laughs> yeah, please. Actually, that's a great idea, man. Everybody should leave us a voicemail from MDF if you go this year, man. Or from any show or um, fest, man. Wow. 
So um, I'm trying to think if there's any more quick tips. Uh, you know, you could also go back to our tour tips episode. I don't know that they allow you to take a, a backpack or a book bag in to MDF. Um, maybe they do, man. But you know, bring yeah, bring bring your wet wipes. You don't if you're gonna be there for nine hours watching bands, man. You're gonna have to use the bathroom, bro. Don't you know? Try be be sanitary for yourself, especially in this age of diseases and shit, man. Um, uh, and you, it, I don't know, man. You know, like 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 bring you know try to prepare yourself. They probably don't let you bring water. Yeah, put a put a water budget aside. Don't be upset when you have to pay yeah. like money for water. Yeah, and, and keep drinking it. Yeah, stay hydrated is kind of obvious, man. You know, and um, people I don't, know. don't though. You know, it's the, one of the most obvious things out there that I have totally not done. Yeah, you know, go out to a, a long, you know, summer slaughter or just like even a show with five bands on it, and like by the third band, I'm just like dehydrated because I've only been drinking tecates and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's a good one, man. Bring a little flashlight, even if it's a tiny little one that you clip onto your keychain. That's a good way to find your friends in a big, huge crowd like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. F- figure out and figure out. Like, this sounds, I know this sounds a little OD uh, dad kind of um, thing, but f- um, figure out a meeting spot with your friends for real. Because if you go there with, uh, you know, a couple of your buddies or whatever like that, man, or... You know, you, you want to meet up with people that you know are going to be there. Whatever the case is, wait till you see. I mean, I've been to previous Maryland Death Fest that weren't as huge as this. You're going to get lost in that sea of humanity, man. And my my personal advice, too, is I always, you know, familiarize yourself with where the exits are. Uh, familiarize yourself with where um, security and if there's some sort of nurse station or, or the medics or the, or the ambulances are parked. Um, uh, familiarize yourself with all the exits and, and all that sort of thing, man. I mean, that's something I always try to look out for in general when we go on tour. And you know, I'm not I'm not trying to bring the mood down. I know that's a serious thing, but you know, you're gonna you're gonna be glad you did, man. Um, and uh, you know, when, whenever you're around, I kind of try to I, when the bands are playing and everything is getting hot. I don't. I try to not play the mosh pit area. I try to play the side. I don't. You know, when when you know the band is on their last song. If you're trying to get out there and maybe get back to the parking lot or get some fresh air, man, like like dip before the huge sea of humanity turns around because the band stopped playing to go outside. You know, try to. It is. It is always best to leave. Yeah. Like on the last song. Like yeah. Hear the first thirty seconds of it. Get the vibe. Get out of there. So yeah, try to beat getting squeezed in and out of those exits with the huge crowds as they as they process through the. The schedule of bands. But, I mean, I think that's where we could leave off. I don't really have much else. Uh, no. I just hope you guys enjoy yourselves and are safe, man. And I hope it'll go, I hope it goes down. I hope it goes down without a hitch. All this COVID shit, I don't want to be a naysayer or a, a doom prophet or anything. I hope no. everything goes gravy and you guys leave us tons of voicemails. Yeah, and I am jealous for the record. Yeah, me too, bro. Go. Me too, man. Maybe next time. Um, but until then, we can always listen to heavy metal in the privacy of our own home. Very true. And that's something that I did, Tom. Believe it or not, that's something I did today and yesterday. Good. And I want to talk about it. Gruesome Malady from Bangalore, uh, India. Um, uh, Vikram Bhatt uh, is uh, the long-running drummer and vocalist. uh, And Jimmy Pakilvala, if I got their names right, hopefully I did, is the guitarist, bassist, and vocalist. The band's been around since 99 um, and recently put out uh, something new in 2017. But I want to talk about this album that they put out in uh, 2003, Infected with Virulent Seed. And it came out um, notably on Bizarre Leprous Productions, which is like a cult 
gore grind label that put out a lot of uh, really great gore grind and grind and noise and stuff like that in the late 90s early 2000s this gruesome malady i know that the, i know that death metal from india um existed i know that that thrash and heavy metal from india has a history we've explored that a little bit on the podcast this is one of the first bands i remembered kind of just being classifiable with our extreme underground gore grind and porno grind bands that i knew about that was of indian descent uh gruesome malady and um it's really interesting. The guitars and vocal it reminds me maybe of um, maybe like Slough or some of those extreme scene bands um, or even Lymphatic Phlegm in some ways because yeah. it has this exaggerated lo-fi drum machine. It's you know it doesn't sound like a brutal drum machine. It just it sounds kind of like um, it's like tinny and thin. Yeah. and kind of it's more atmospheric. Yes, it keeps the pace. Atmospheric is a good word. And the guitars. Are they seem more death metal influenced? There, there's riffs. There's a lot of like kind of overlapping, sh- like shredding leads and and and, and uh, it, the cool effects on yeah. the guitar too. Like it's got this weird chorusy thing going on, and there's like chords being played, um, almost like like jazz influence kind of chord structure, which is really strange. Uh, so that part I wouldn't attribute to having anything similar to lymphatic phlegm but the overall packaging is like this would be a perfect like partnership of styles but very much on their own like lymphatic phlegm is a little more serious and driving and this is a little more washy and uh expressive agree yeah i I, yeah when i say lymphatic phlegm you're right I, i i don't mean to say that they sound like lymphatic phlegm but there's something they capture about this kind of tinny kind of just like drums are there to keep the time and they're exaggerated almost with the programming to show that they are a programmed drum there's nothing that resembles a human drummer there right um another band that that i wanted to reference was drug hater from ohio um they also with drug hater and their project spine grinder they did a lot of that with the drum machine it was just this spastic hyper speed tempo sped up timekeeping element um, but what these guys do with the guitars, man, this guy was just kind of allowed to indulge himself and shred and do leads over all this kind of weird, I say Floridian death metal stuff because it seems very spacey. These guys to me are almost like the morbid angel of lo-fi gore grind because also the vocals are just disgusting sewage pitch shifter gore grind vocals, traditional style. And um, like I said, I think this band would be right in there with Drug Hater and Lymphatic Phlegm for embracing the use of a drum machine and of this kind of tech gore grind sound, but doing it with a lot of personality. You could never mistake them for another band, I think. And those guitars really um, drive that home. You know, this guy, like I said, he layers it, he shreds, he does some kind of like cool atmospheric leads, there's effects on it. They there's There's really a lot of attention, man. Even... Um, I talked a little bit about Genital Grinder from France. That's another band that has this lo-fi, almost kind of trashy gore art, low, you know, low, low, um, low quality art kind of thing going on. Total toilet gore grind image. But when you listen to the music, it's like this spacey, almost Floridian experimental death metal thing going on, man. So this is maybe more than meets the eye. That's what I would. That's what I would uh, uh, finish by saying. I dig. I dig it a lot. More than meets those poked out, infected, uh, with virulent seed eyes on the cover of the album. 
I will say I'm not really a fan of the word uh, malady because it kind of reminds me of malady, you know, uh, the old <laughs> tipping of the hat. Let's not do that to them. <laughs> this is from 2002. They are better than that. Yeah, uh, a yeah, lot. I will attribute that to these fellows right here. Oh, boy. Man, another album that I've really been getting into, um, and I, I kind of showed off behind the scenes to a few of my friends, man. I love this. Uh, I've talked about the first album, Tears of the Unborn, uh, by the band Apoplexy from Slovakia, old school band. I believe on the podcast before. I forget where I might have. I might have brought it up as a recommendation a while back. This rings a bell. I remember liking this. Didn't dive into it. Glad you're bringing it up again. Yeah, I, well, I loved that first album, Tears of the Unborn, so much that when I saw um, the second album, Monarchy of Damned, uh, on CD, on sale from uh, Dark Descent Records. Dark Descent Records having a lot of cool sales over the years. I bought, um, uh, I bought the CD. This came out from Dark Symphonies in 2018, uh, originally released by Act. A- A-K-N-E Productions in 99, reissued in 2018 by Dark Symphony, so you could get it. Uh, and this is so worth it, so underrated, so forgotten by time. It's just one of those things, man. I've talked before, especially when I brought up the Estonian band uh, Aggressor. I talked about how there's some of these bands um, from, from different parts of Europe, from the 90s, where you, you get the impression listening to this that maybe they didn't have... They, they didn't have all the, the latest technology and could pull out all the st- state-of-the-art stops uh, in terms of production, guitar tone, um, uh, recording, and all that sort of thing. But they make up for that with performance and composition. It's just it's such amazing death metal. And it's some, something I said to a friend of mine who I showed this to. Is it's so pure in terms of death metal, in terms of the old-school brutal death metal um, influenced by thrash vibe. But it's also so musical. It's so pure death metal, but also so musical. And it does have something in common with that gruesome malady, I think, because this in, it, 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 it interrupts it interrupts brutal narratives of um, traditional uh, uh, death metal with uh, a kind of almost escapist uh, tendency on lead guitars. And um, it, it flurry even sometimes these guys throw in a keyboard or something like that, and it takes you places that are unexpected. You know, it's a very brutal, angry vibe at first, and then all of a sudden these guys are flourishing with hyper melodic lead guitars, layers of guitars that you really don't expect out of anywhere, man. I almost there's part of me that wants to compare it to Spiritual Healing by Death, in the way that some of those lead guitars pop out at you and kind of slap you in the face unexpectedly from where you were in the more brutal part of the song just before so i'm not saying it sounds like spiritual healing but maybe just the interplay between straightforward death metal and then more complicated lead parts we've seen this on a bunch of recommendations when we were on that a little bit more like bands that did lack in the production aspect but it totally gets overshadowed by performance and songwriting that's totally like it not only is it possible it's almost like we're dealing with the reverse now 
wow. which everything is kind of like so polished and even the good songwriting is kind of like rubbed out by sounding the same. Wow, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that because they'd call me a hater. But I, 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 I like everything you just said, man. It's true yeah. because back in the day you had these bands where they were just probably rehearsing for months on end wherever they were and got the opportunity to record their album. Maybe the producer didn't even have much experience with, with death metal or hard rock. Who knows? Um, and, and they, by virtue of effort, they produced an album that's this amazing. Whereas nowadays, you're right, now with some of the... Um, uh, production technique you you can uh, you can cut corners so to speak yeah and, and I think there's like almost a expected sonic quality that is across albums and I, I remember one conversation we had I think we did a bonus episode and I brought in um, disavowed's latest album revocation of the fallen and I really like the songwriting but both of you and Justin uh, pointed out that the production was almost not it, it was too refined and it was too mm-hmm. standardized mm-hmm. where it did take away from the songwriting Th- that happens man and now something i love about this apoplexy especially this album compared to the first album the drums some people might listen to this and say oh i don't like the drum sound the drums could be produced but i could hear maybe certain drummers or producers hearing this album and saying oh this drum sound could be beefed up it could be you know, we, we could trigger this or do that. And it would suffer because you hear such nuance from this drummer during the blast beats and the fills, and it sounds like a death metal band in a room. Right. It sounds like if you went to a bar or a rehearsal room or someplace and a, a, and these guys were just there pulling it off right. without any uh, assist, production assistance at all. It just mm-hmm. sounds like you're getting a band playing their album. You know what I mean? And, and these guys... It's kind of like stripped of any veneer. What year did this come out again? 1999. 1999. Okay, so that's yeah. like really, that is, it took a few more years for like death metal to have, or just heavy music in general to have like that kind of uniform approach thing that yeah. is kind of yeah. plagued with every album now. Yeah, and um, I will, and I'll, well, I'll also say this: it sounds even for '99, it sounds a little dated. It sounds a little bit. Um, it, it doesn't sound what the state of the art would have sounded like for '99. It, it sounds like '93 or '94. To yes, me. it does. Um, and, but, and but that's I, cool, though. In my imagination, I like to. Th- I see. I'm no expert on Slovakia or the history of recording music in in the country of Slovakia. I don't know, but I do know. Um, that a lot of these bands maybe didn't, like I said, they didn't have uh, a, a, a well-known, well-regarded death metal studio, a Sun Sunlight Studios or a whatever, yeah. you know, for for that for their region in Slovakia. So you know, and we've heard if you read some of these books, um, not Slovakia, but I know in Finland and in Poland and other places there were studios recording metal bands in the early '90s where the guys had only really recorded polka music and stuff like that. But in, yeah, and information traveled so much slower then. Like, exactly. we take that for granted now. Now you go up on YouTube and look how to EQ your, your drums and put them into Pro Tools and stuff like that. Back then it was like, have fun even getting Pro Tools working, mm-hmm. let alone recording in it. Or if you're doing this on a tape, like, you're not even thinking about the EQ or whatever. You just want to make sure it's working for the first time. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, for that, we could go on. For that and so many reasons, uh, this Apoplexy, Monarchy, Monarchy of Damned, their their second and final album is highly recommended. Um, just a power trio, three guys making beautiful death metal. 
um, from the heart. And there's just, like I said, man, it's kind of caught on to this vibe I get where I really enjoy these kind of technical death thrash bands uh, from from all diff- from all over the world, really, but a lot of them are from different parts of Europe where they didn't have the production means, I don't think, yet in the 90s, but they still pulled it off. This is a great example, man. Go check it out. It's a great album. Man. So I hope you enjoyed our recommendations. Big shout out to Tyler Craig on our Patreon. Uh, I hope I answered some of your um, uh, questions there about Maryland Death Fest. I'm no expert. I've only been to a few of them. And um, like I said, I'm not even going to try to be a naysayer or a what if. I hope everything goes beautifully. And I encourage you guys to leave us voicemails from Maryland Death Fest this year, man. And shout to the guys from Maggot Vomit Afterbirth, man. This was a uh, very gore grind episode. Hyper grind gore. Yeah, I mean, the the... Milady, <laughs> stop! I don't stop, know. man. No, they're sick to... though. They're ve- that was that was excellent. Um, and I'm totally blanking on the name now, so I have to cut this. Gruesome Malady, right? Yeah, don't do the Milady stuff when we're talking gore grind. All no. right, that's all too right. that's that's too easy, Tom. Gruesome Malady. Uh, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, even though I didn't mean any harm to begin with, so yeah. you know, it, what does that say about you if you're upset? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, awesome stuff. Wow, Tom, you're such a nice guy. Yeah. Really? <laughs> All right, man. Tom, I'm going to come up with a couple more albums to recommend you so you don't uh, go on Reddit during your breaks from C Sharp. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I hate that website. I've con- I've condoned <laughs> whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Condemned whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, Not condoned. Whoa. I condemned ow, that website. Ow, ow, All whoa. of it. I, go, I still go to heavy vinyl every once in a while. Sometimes I watch uh, watch people fight at Walmart on the on the other. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. This is the films of society now. Yeah, it's it's great. It's, it's it's like watching a drug hate a music video without the music. It's beautiful. I would rather watch people fight at Walmart for hours than like most things that come out in movie theaters now. <laughs> well, that that's what Hollywood's up against. All right, us yeah. and people fighting at Walmart videos. It's all right. Hard. You know, it's weird in a day and age where uh, everyone's attention pan- spans are so small that the movies keep getting longer and longer. Yeah, it's, well, I, I don't know, man. It, it's like maybe binge watching is actually somehow fighting the short attention spans. I don't know, maybe. man. I don't know. It, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a rush, it's a fight to the bottom of the barrel here, man. <laughs> but shout out to our cultured elite guests, Maggot Vomit Afterbirth. Shout man. out. Not nah, check it. This is the Gore Grind episode. We'll get as trashy as we want to be, all right? That's the name of my new mixtape coming out. But until then, heavyholepodcast.com for all your social medias and your Patreons and your voicemail numbers and all that shit. Tough guy. You can get on there. We are on Christian Mingle now. I made an account. Oh, we are? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just playing. I wouldn't do that. Shout out to our Christian death metal people. I wouldn't be disrespectful, all right? Uh, well, God- it might be a good place to find the one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> ho. Let's go.